Hey, Magnus here. Just a fair word of warning. I've recorded more positive episodes than this one before, and no doubt I'll record more positive stuff in the future, but this really isn't going to be a celebration of too much. So, if what you want is shiny, happy people holding hands, hang in there. Hey, your attention, please! This is a piece of art. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. Dr. Doom wears body armor to conceal his own mangled form. Worst episode ever. Why? Who shot first? Yeah. Who gives a shit? It's what's called super nerd nitpicking over something that's not really that important. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. I'm your host, Trentus Magnus, and I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. And right now, I'm balls deep in a miniseries about Superman origin stories and comics. Now, as I've said a few times before, the impetus behind this whole thing is that Man of Steel is coming out on Blu-ray soon. Now, as Man of Steel is a new origin for a new generation, I thought it might be kind of fun to salute Superman's long history in the comics by taking a look at some of the more famous, or infamous even, origin stories that he's had over the years. This time out, I'm checking out Superman for all seasons. Now, at this moment, you're possibly saying, But Magnus, but Magnus, for all seasons is not an origin story. True, it's not. For All Seasons is actually a companion piece for Byrne's Man of Steel miniseries. The thinking goes that we saw John Byrne's Superman put on that outfit, but did he truly become Superman in that miniseries? Or did that actually happen off-panel? Of course, the question we're not supposed to ask is, if it happened off-panel, whose fucking fault is that? Bygones, I guess. Anyway, there's a bit of a hole in Burns' presentation, and so Jeff Loeb thought it might be fun to do a story that actually shows Clark Kent truly accept what it means to be Superman. All of this is to say that I'm not actually cheating if you pay attention to the record. So, into the summaries we go. Superman for all seasons. Writer, Jeff Loeb. Artist, Tim Sale. Letterer. Richard Starkings, colorist, Bjorn Hansen, editor, Joey Cavalieri. The first part is titled Spring. Narrated by Clark's father, Jonathan Kent, he makes a point that before he was Superman, or the Man of Steel, among others, Clark Kent was a farmer's son. After dinner, Lana Lang asks Clark what seems to be wrong, and he replies it's nothing. Afterwards, the Kents discuss their son, with Pa Kent revealing he's afraid over what Clark could become because of his growing powers. They don't think Clark could hear them, but in his room, Clark hears every word. After school, Lana, Clark, and Pete Ross go to a store until Clark remembers his haircut appointment. When he's there, he realizes he can see through the wall and his hair makes a barber's scissors break apart. 
A tornado strikes Smallville, and Clark helps out by saving a, saving a man before the gas station he's in explodes. Afterwards, Clark wonders if he could have done more. Talking to a pastor, the one question he asks him is if one man could do more. After graduation, Clark finally reveals to Lana that he can fly. In talking that he wants to in talking about how he wants to help people with with these powers, Lana tells him that he must leave Smallville, and then they kiss. Dressed up, Clark says goodbye to his parents before leaving to go to Metropolis. Getting a job with the Daily Planet, having a crush on reporter Lois Lane, and wearing the costume his mother made, Clark makes headlines as Superman. In his building, Lex Luthor knows it's going to be a long, hot summer. The second part, entitled Summer, narrated by Lois Lane, she makes a point that the rules that made her a newspaper woman went out the window the day Superman appeared. Superman stops a nuclear missile from hitting the city, then single-handedly delivers the submarine which fired it to the armed forces. He threatens the man whose company manufactured the two, Lex Luthor. Then, Lois is threatened at gunpoint by one of the terrorists of the submarine. Superman quickly ends the situation and takes Lois back to the planet. In his apartment, Clark begins to feel lonely, so he goes back to Smallville to have dinner with his parents. Meeting with Pete again, and being congratulated by his friends for becoming a reporter in Metropolis, he's disappointed that Lana had left some time ago. He feels out of place and sad that Smallville is different, but Ma Kent points out that it's all part of growing up. Back in Metropolis, a factory explodes and Luther's so-called Guardians of the Sky, which are men in exosuits, arrive to stop it. Superman arrives and notices that the exosuits forgot about uh, a woman trapped inside. He saves the woman and puts out the fire single-handedly. Later, Luther meets the woman whom Superman saved, whose name is Miss Vaughn, and she's obsessed with Superman, and Lex meets with her for his own plans. The third chapter is entitled, Fall. Narrated by Lex Luthor, he considers his story to be a love story between a man and his city. His revenge starts after a night in jail. Ms. Vaughn is part of his plan, drugging her so she can see non-stop issues of Superman. Lois checks around Clark's Clark's desk and finds his notes with LL on them. She wonders if they mean Lois Lane, but Clark comes up behind her and reveals Lana Lang. The Daily Planet is gassed, with Lois and many others experiencing rapid pulse and high fever. Changing into Superman, he finds a train about, about to have an accident, and he stops it. Later, he finds Professor Crosby, a woman who was in an airtight suit when the gas was dispersed. After thinking about it, Superman reasons the only person who could be behind it and or help him is Lex Luthor. Confronting him, he asks Luthor for help. When he reveals his hope in the form of Toxin, Miss Vaughn, with no choice, he helps Toxin with the antidote by spreading it into the clouds so it can pass through the rain. Everyone is cured. But Toxin dies unexpectedly when they return to LexCorp. Through his words, Luther makes Superman believe that he's not enough to save everyone, and Clark returns to Smallville. The fourth and final chapter is entitled Winter. 
Narrated by Lana Lang, she reveals that she wanted to marry the boy next door and, and become Mrs. Lana Lang Kent. But it was when she found out what he could do that it felt like her dreams crashed down. In Metropolis, Lex feels that Superman being gone is, a, is exactly what it should be. While Lois starts to think of something that becomes dismissed because it's stupid. Clark is Superman. Clark and Lana have a good time together, and meeting back with Pete, who mentions to Clark and Lana how wrong it is that they're not moving on. The Kents and Lana have dinner when news comes in of a flood. When Lana mentions how they still have a man who can change the course of mighty rivers, Ma and Pa Ken are shocked to learn that she knows. Lana knows. Over a father-son talk, Clark mentions that he thought that he can't do anything, but Pa Kent has him... Pa Kent basically explains that he has limits and that he has to live with that. The next day, Pa and Clark Kent, wearing his Superman costume, go out to help the town against the flood. Before leaving, Lana makes it clear that even though her dreams were yanked away, the boy she knew is still under Superman's costume. As townspeople watch, Superman saves the day for all places of Smallville, such as fixing a damaged dam with just trees and boulders. Lana and the Kents get themselves into an accident and almost drown until Superman arrives. He goes out again to save his father and once more to save their family dog. The following night, the words of Smallville's pastor that the seasons may be grim but help us with the future make the townspeople happy, including Clark. Back in Metropolis, with his article on the front page, Superman wants one of Luther's exosuits to send Luther a message. He's back. Superman saves a, a, a kid that he'd saved before, who introduces himself as Trevor, though people call him Trev, and Superman replies that folks call me Superman. So, I guess the best way to put it is that the art by Tim Sale is the definite high point of this miniseries. Superman is large and in charge. In fact, it's partly because of this series that I championed Army Hammer to play Superman and Man of Steel back before Henry Cavill was cast. The reason for that is because Army Hammer is a big, tall bastard and has acting chops to spare. And at least in my opinion, he sort of looks like Tim Sale's Superman. So, that's neither here nor there. The point is, Tim Sale absolutely killed it in this book. It's rare to find a comic book that looks like it was drawn in widescreen, but that's what Tim Sale did here. Each book has a couple of two-page splash glory shots, but unlike your typical two-page splash, these actually... I don't know if I want to go so far as to say they develop the story, but they, they fit the tone of what Loeb is trying to accomplish, and on that basis, I just ate them up with the spoon. And then you got the characters. Now, I've already mentioned Superman, but Sale didn't skimp out on the other characters either. Lex, Perry, Lois, Jonathan, Lana, Martha, Jimmy. They all have a distinctive look. Sale is another one of those artists who give everybody, all of their characters, a, a, a unique look, rather than having a sort of generic body form for everybody. Now, the locations in this story somewhat become characters as well story mostly takes place in Metropolis and Smallville, and at least for a lot of the Metropolis, or sorry, for a lot of the uh, Smallville stuff, 
Tim Sales art has this weird but very welcome Norman Rockwell vibe to it. Now, if you grew up in a small town, you recognize those places. You recognize those people. It's all very familiar to you. Speaking of art, the coloring by Bjorn Hansen is first-rate, too. There are times when coloring in comics is bland and forgettable. There are other times when it, if anything, it detracts from the writing and, and the art. But here, Hansen's coloring actually enhances the story. It almost looks painted with watercolors in a weird kind of way. And I don't think there are many other colorists out there who could have done what Hansen did and made it work as well. Now, do any of you get the idea that I'm reluctant to talk about the story? I'm just going to lay it out there. I've never been a Jeff Loeb devotee. What I've noticed is that his stories are... They're entertaining enough, as long as you don't think about them. But if you attempt to apply any kind of logic to what he writes, the whole shit falls apart. For instance, in issue number three... Whoop, sorry. In book three... It's a big wankfest about how Lex Luthor loves the city of Metropolis like most men love their wives. Really, the entire chapter mostly revolves around Lex's machinations to metaphorically woo a woman, by which is meant the city. We get 20-odd pages of basically Lex reciting love poems to the city of Metropolis. Of course... This comes right after the issue where it's implied he outfitted a group of terrorists with a submarine and a nuclear fucking missile, and they attempted to level the place. Oh, silly me. We're not supposed to ask questions like that about a Jeff Loeb story. Little things like story logic get thrown out the fucking window the minute he shows up. And this is not an isolated incident, either. Check out Superman Batman, World's Finest sometime. Yeah, I know. Trade paperback has a different title, but the comics I paid for have Superman, Batman, World's Finest printed in them, so that's what I go by. Anyhow, there's that really famous scene that for some reason fanboys everywhere always spray their shorts for when Superman and Batman castle. Now, to critique the story logic of that is kind of pointless to begin with because there is no story logic to it. None. Zero. In the final analysis, I have to ask if this is a story that desperately needed to be told. And when Jeff, Ro Jeff Loeb writes it, the answer is very often no. And that's the case here. When it comes to comics, I'm all about the writing. I, now, look, I like pretty pictures as much as the next guy. But I'd rather have a brilliant script with mediocre art than a mediocre script with Barry Windsor Smith art. That's just me. If your standards are low enough that you enjoy the shit burgers Loeb cooks up, hey, be my guest. Just don't expect me to dine with you. Oh, and by the way, for hate mail, it's uh, trentusmagnus at gmail.com, T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S at gmail.com. Got some promos to play, and I'll be right back. 
I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice. Blind justice. A guardian devil. <coughs> no, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's it's my Daredevil, you get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? My name is Michael Bailey, and I am a terrible geek. I don't watch Doctor Who. I don't care for anime. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I like Star Wars and Star Trek okay, but I've never really ventured far into the extended universes of either property. Hell, I have never even watched a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I have been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. To deal with this borderline personality disorder, I started a podcast in 2007 called Views from the Long Rocks. Every two weeks, or so, depending on real life, I pick a particular series, or issue, or character, or whatever to talk about, and then I... Well, well, I talk about them, because that's kind of the point of a podcast. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I have a guest, like my semi-regular co-host, The Irredeemable Shag, or my other semi-regular co-host, Thomas DJ, or with another friend from the podcasting world. The show is located at www.viewsfromalongbox.com. From there, you can find the iTunes link, the email address, as well as the backlog of episodes. Views from the Long Box. A podcast about comics or a desperate cry for help? You decide. Every other Tuesday, or so, depending on real life, at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. Hi, my name is Mike, and I like comic books. Okay. So what do you think about Ben Affleck being Batman? No, I said I like comic books. That's a movie, and I couldn't care less. Well, it's a comic book movie. Really? Did you go see the magazine movie? Or do you watch the television book? I like comic books. You know, those things make for paper, especially the old ones. Whoa, those things. Are they CGC 9.8? No, you're missing the point. I like to actually read comic books, especially the old ones. I like them so much I even build a website to tell other people about them. Does it have any information about uh, Avengers 2? No, it has info about actual comic books. Lots of covers, creator credits, character appearance lists, story synopsis notes, and so much more. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Where can I find it? It's at mikesamazingworld.com. Do I have to read anything? Reading makes my brain hurt. You can just look at the pictures if you want. Or you can listen to my podcasts, 
where I talk about the history of DC Comics, especially the old ones. So I can listen to a comic book podcast? It's a podcast about comic books. You can find it at twotruefreaks.com. What's it called? Mike's Amazing World of DC History. History? You mean like before Twitter? Yes, the world actually did exist long before Twitter. My show is for comic book fans, especially the old ones. So check out Mike's Amazing World of Comics, the website, and listen to Mike's Amazing World of DC History, the podcast, for information and fun related to actual comic books, especially the old ones. Hey everybody, Magnus here. I've got an announcement to make. Moving day is coming. I'm here to confirm that the rumors are all true. Yes, Magnus Media Enterprises Limited is being bought out by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. Lawyers from both sides are still currently hashing out the finer details, but what this means for my loyal subjects is that Trentus Magnus, Punch's Reality, will soon join up with the two true freaks podcast network, which can be found at www.2truefreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. For right now, the target launch date is November the 26th, 2013, but you never know if, when, or how things may change, but that's the plan for the moment. As a side note, I'd like to add that this move will not result in any changes in content. Additionally, there are no circumstances where I'll be laid off and the operation of Trentus Magnus Punches Reality be turned over to podcasters in India. Everything will proceed as it has been. I'll add additional details as they become available, but I'd like to thank all of you for your support, and I hope you'll continue once we've moved over to the TTF feed. Please watch the Trentus Magnus Facebook page for additional details. I think that's just about the end of that. You can find the home for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality at magnus.libson.com. But that's about to change. I'm preparing to move to the Two True Freaks podcast network, and the target launch date for that is November of 2013. You can also find Trentus Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook by searching for Trentus Magnus, which on Facebook is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-S-M-A-G-N-U-S-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trentusmagnus at gmail.com, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility 
of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play, so keep it fairly short and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promo section. Trentus Magnus Punches Reality is copyright Magnus Media Enterprises Limited, Wisconsin Falls, California, in association with the Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy.